0: I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Theobar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Jason, if you're anything like me, you're running late for work and it's also 1938. Now I'm running out of good clip, you know, just trying to make it to the train. This dang kid is like Weaving around the platform, reading some garbage. I knock him down, of course, because it's 1938. That's what you do. I make my train just as the doors start to close. That's when I realize the mistake I made. Compassion for the child? Of course not. I forgot my newspaper. I've got nothing to read on this train. And then this same dang kid comes wandering in, right? Right up the car. He sits next to me. I'm like, here we go, right? Round two. He plops down. And I'm looking at what he's reading because I'm bored out of my mind. Right. But I'm trying to be discreet. And there's this man in pajamas jumping over buildings in a single bound. It can't be right. There has to be some sort of printer error. So I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to catch glimpses and I'm starting to obsess. I mean, who could stop a guy like that? We arrive in the city and, you know, I know exactly what I need to do. So I palm the kid's head and, and and push him down as hard as I can. Take his action comics number one, and ever since then I've ripped every comic from every child's hands that is uh, for as long as I can remember. And those comics tend to pile up, Jason. That's when I like to slow down, pull one off the two read pile, and give it a read. And if I like it, I bring it here to the two read pile. <laughs> as always, Amazon yeah. affiliate links That's- are below for everything that we're talking about. But hit up your local comic shop. I urge you to do that before you ever buy anything off of Amazon. Uh, also, this show's on YouTube if you want a little art with it. And uh, before we get started, a little Poe Buddies Nerfict, mm. Jason. Dyslexia wins again when it comes <laughs> to my shit because uh, we talked about Gotham City year one. And I said, uh, Slam Brady, Sam, Br- Sam, God, I can't even remember his name now. So I said, slam brady Mm. but his name is actually slam bradley oh and uh i've been calling him slam brady for like ever since i've known the character (laughs) so i apologize for that
1: Uh, I, you know, I blame it on the kid that you palm that like whatever kid you push down to take, like, you know, probably was saying like, man, I love that. I love that slam Brady. And so like you just like internalize it. You know, I blame the kid.
0: My 1938 karma happening right here. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jason, what are you reading for the to read pile? I'm reading a book that I that I almost put on my pledge list. Um, because I had been meaning to read it forever and it was on my shelf forever, but it would have been kind of a cheat cause I only really had like one more chapter to go when we, when we recorded the, the Pledge List episode. So I'm like, that would have been mm-hmm. a cheat, but, uh, I'd always been meaning to read and I read, uh, a Confederacy of Dunces by, uh, John Kennedy tool. Um, a book book. It, yeah. Yeah. Book book. Um, and just a quick history of the book. Uh, so uh, John Kennedy Toole um, and his mother had John Kennedy Toole was never published while he was still alive. Uh, he grew up in Louisiana, um, lived his whole life with his mother. Uh, he ended up uh, committing suicide. Um, but he had these two books. He had a uh, Confederacy of Dunces written and, uh, the neon Bible, which I also have and haven't read yet. I still want to get to that. Uh, and if mm-hmm. any keen listeners notice their uh, the second arcade fire album is called the Neon Bible." um <clears throat> but uh so, but he had committed suicide before he had ever gotten anything published. He kept on getting all these rejection letters, and his mom made it her mission to get his one completed manuscript, a Confederacy of dunces, published. Um, oh wow. And she finally did after like 10 years, like she tried for like a decade. To, to get this book uh published. and when it finally came out, it like, well, it started selling really well and is considered a masterpiece. It won a Pulitzer Prize. um oh wow, yeah, yeah it's 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 great. it's hilarious. it's so the actual book a Confederacy of dunces, it follows uh the main character Ignatius J. Riley, w- who is this uh very large, I guess you would say corpulent uh man. <laughs> who is, uh, over-educated, but, um, is horribly lazy and mean and, uh, thinks the world's against him, nothing is ever his fault, and constantly, constantly messes things up, but still thinks he's the superior being. So, essentially, he's, like, you know, the proto-like, um, well nerd really like that like what yeah, what a sure. lot of nerds are really like and really just like full of like venom and hate and like all these these like ideas like in the book he had like he like majored in like classics and like like medieval studies you know so he makes all these like references to all of these like medieval authors and things like that and fortuna's like wheel like the wheel of you know f- the old wheel of fortune like the actual yeah. like you know and it's just this great um Uh, satirical kind of like series of events and, and things that happen in, in uh, new Orleans, you know Um, there's, (laughs) there's a, a, a a failing uh, strip club and a dumb stripper who wants to be like a, a movie star or an entertainment star. And she tries to convince the owner of the club to let her work with, do an act with her bird where she does a strip tease <laughs> with her bird pulling like pieces off of like y- y- you know that's hilarious and and there's uh the, there's a company that Ignatius um messes up called Levy Pants you know that's like yeah. in, in disarray there's just all these great characters that are so over the top and like crazy what year is it set in I I think like early seventies. Early mid seventies okay. is when it's set in the book came fi- The book finally came out in 79. And so I think he was probably writing it to be more of like a late sixties kind of, I would imagine like, sure. Uh, era of time because Ignatius, <laughs> Ignatius has a, um, a love interest that he mostly still, well, sort of love interest, um, named Myrna who he met in college And who is every bit of him, but on like this opposite spectrum where she's just like, she's like the, um, this, this cartoonish avatar of like a peace activist, you know, and is like, and, and is just like talking, always talking about like sexual freedom and like how it's, it's, it's just, it's just hilarious. I can't match the like the the best like kind of modern comparison i can come up with it and i bet they were influenced by it a lot but like you know how like there's a there's this certain kind of weird cartoony feeling you get from like coen brothers characters
0: oh yeah definitely
1: you know uh it's it's kind yeah. of like every character is kind like of that. like that yeah it's just it's just like over the top like you you sort of like in a literary form like when i was talking about um time under tension how she did a great job of making every character distinctive. Like in, yeah. in words, he makes every character distinctive, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. It, and, and it, and it very much just like in, in my head, when I'm imagining it, like I imagine it a lot of like, a lot of it shot, like a Coen brothers movie, you know? Cause there yeah. these, these people with like completely straight faces saying like the most ridiculous things, you know, like there's a character <laughs> yeah, yeah. who's like who she wants to um, she's keeping this old woman working in the office at the Levi pants factories. Um, she's the wife of the guy who who owns it, you know, and, and this old woman, mm. Miss Trixie, wants to retire. But the guy's wife is convinced that, like, no, she needs this job to, like, feel like a sense of purpose <laughs> And that like, it's, it's like killing her, even though she's like actively saying like, I hate all of you people, <laughs> you know, like yeah. and it, it's, yeah. it's, it's just great. And, and it very much like, I must say too, like there, there is a lot of, um, it's a lot of Ignatius J. Riley and me <laughs> and I'm, Quite a shame <laughs> to admit, you know, because like you, you, you fill, you fill your, you fill your head up with all these like facts, but then like you don't implement them, like sure. you don't, you don't like do sure. do anything like with it, yeah. uh But like you know, he, he's, but he's so still so convinced of his genius, and it's like this, like you know, it's this book that was written like you know
0: you're his, telling me like we're we're in the setting of a podcast and you're like Ignatius
1: would have a podcast if he was alive today. Oh, totally. He 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 is yeah. the like think of like think of the most like verbose but ill-informed like reddit comment you've ever read. <laughs> and that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's told
0: by those all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's and that was like 50 years ago the man was Sure you know, was, was, a uh, uh, imagined, you know, and, and it is hilarious though. It's just a h- hilarious, wonderful book. It has this great, um, has a great, uh, uh, kind of patois to like all of, um, how, how all, all of the characters speak, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you can, you can just hear like their, their accents and like just the mm-hmm. little, like the little details in all of them are just like, sure. Hmm. Just, just beautiful. I, I fucking love it. I can't believe it took me this long, uh, to read it, but is it, would you consider it an easy read? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually it's a, yeah, it's a pretty easy read. Pretty easy read. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just over the top. It's just very funny. It it might take you a minute sometimes to get around, um, some of, some of the dialogue if you're, you know, if you're not used to that yet. Sure. Um, Accents
0: and stuff like that, the way it's written.
1: Yeah, yeah, and some of the descriptions are, like, you know, are of the time, too, or, like, a couple of words that were, like, sure. f- fine to use at the time, or maybe yeah, even, like, yeah. slightly offensive, but, like, weren't as, like, holy shit offense but there's not a lot <laughs> of that <laughs> in sure, there, sure. you know, so, uh, but yeah, no, it is, it is a, it is a pretty easy read, you know, definitely, that sounds... That that definitely a lot easier than uh, the brothers' car which I'm like looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By my by my but feet. That's what, right well, now. that's
0: what I was wondering because you were like, I, I almost put this in my pledge pile, and I was like, oh man, is this thing a beast? Like, <laughs> you need a nudge for this thing. But no, I guess <laughs> no. I guess it's a pretty easy read.
1: It, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, Confederacy of Dunces by uh, John Kennedy Toole. It's just uh, that's cool, it's, man. Yeah, it's just it's just great. Every everyone should check it out. I can't believe it took me so long to to finally crack it open.
0: Well, I'm going to continue this. I don't know. This is a this is a weird two read pile because you're bringing a book book and we're a comics podcast, and then I'm bringing a comic that you cannot get anymore. <laughs> so you'll strap in, everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I read the Outcasts or sorry, it's just outcasts. It's a 12 issue. It's it, it bills itself as a 12 issue future shocker. It's written by John Wagner and Alan Grant. Alan, you know, Alan Grant from, uh, the bat pod. He wrote a lot of, um, uh, shadow. Uh, he made the character anarchy. Yep. Uh, art is by cam Kennedy and Steve, uh, Montero, Montano. Uh, Colors are Tom Zico letters are Augustin mass edits are Mike Carlin and Denny O'Neill. Um, before I jump in, this came out in 1987 uh, and through to 88 because it's 12 issues. Uh, before I jump in, let me just talk about like how mini series came about at DC comics, because this is, pretty close to the first miniseries. This was like kind of a new idea and a new way that they were like making comics at the time. Hmm. Um, And I was digging into this a little bit because there was an ad for something in here. Um, I for it was like the, I sent you the ad. It was like a rock and rollers versus the army or something like that. It was like something totally bonkers. So the guy who made that book, Mike Barron, he's all comic skate now, so whatever. But uh he admitted that like that was the the first miniseries that DC ever canceled. That book. Hmm. Um and he admitted that he was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I I was like writing stuff, but like I didn't understand what the characters were or or what they were act would act like. Or where the story was going. And I'm like buddy I don't think that's writing. I think that's cocaine. But (laughs) anyway that's not the point. The point is is that that was the first one that ever got cancelled. So I was like oh we got to be close to the first like miniseries. What was the first miniseries ever made in comics? So let me just give you a little history. Mostly how comics were made before 1978 was they would have. Full runs, and then they would get canceled. So you'd pick up like, you know, uh, I don't know, like Superman or action comics or detective comics or whatever. And it would be a full run. And then they would have these little they would try out characters within action comics or detective comics or whatever. They'd um, try out a character. And if it was successful, they would spin off the character into their own series. So then that series was going. And you can see the problem forming where you have like an unwieldy amount of monthlies that are just going all the time. Yeah. And that was kind of a little bit like it was kind of terrible to do that, to do it that way, but also kind of great because at the time you're also, if you're DC comics, you're competing with Marvel comics literally for shelf space because like There were no comic shops or maybe there were, I don't know. Um, I don't know when the first comic shop rolled around and when the direct market happened and I think that was that kind
1: of stuff. I think that was around early mid eighties was.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're buying these books on like newsstands and stuff like that in grocery store spinner racks and things like that at the time. Yeah. And you could literally, if you're DC comics, Make so many monthlies that you just push Marvel comics out, out of the news rack. Yeah. basically. And they were doing that like DC was outselling Marvel at the time. Um, and so they were like what they did in 78 was they did what they called the DC explosion that people also refer to as the DC implosion because they basically increased everything. Not only uh, issue titles, but length length of issues. And it became so unwieldy that like editorial couldn't even really like control it basically. And so the quality went down and then immediately, uh, what was happening as well was, uh, we had some terrible winter blizzards. So like kids were not buying comics off the rack. They were staying home. And then, uh, that was coupled with a terrible economy that like everything was in kind of a downtrend in the late seventies. I think the gas crisis was going on. I'm not sure. Yep. I I don't know what the exact date of that was, but I think it's around that, that time. So basically what I'm saying is comics are dying, Jason, and it's 1978 and comics are dying. <laughs> uh, They DC cut about half of their titles, like in a broad stroke, just like, they almost canceled detective comics at this point. Jesus. uh, Issue number 480. They were going to cancel it because there was another book called bat family that was selling better than detective comics. And instead they just folded bat family into detective comics after like arguments. Apparently there were arguments that were happening in the DC office for all this stuff. Anyway, 1979 rolls around in the wake of all this. And they're like, okay, this shit didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. We can't just have like a bunch of monthlies like it got way out of control way fast. So they were like, we're going to make a miniseries. And it was a brand new idea for comics. And they made three issues of the world of Krypton. That was the first miniseries that comics ever saw. And safe. And then going for Superman. Yeah, safe. So then they started, like, playing with length, like, you know, three issues here, six issues here. Eventually they get to 12 issues. Camelot 3000 was uh, considered a maxi series rather than a mini series of 12 issues. And other publishers started getting on board with the same format. It's how we got stuff like Crisis on Infinite Earths or uh, Secret Wars, that kind of thing. Um, Those were mini series. So Outcast was 1988, which is around this time. So they're just really like, they don't know how to make a miniseries yet. And they're just trying shit out, you know, like really experimenting. So let me tell you what Outcast is. Cause like usually nowadays it's like, I just read a couple of miniseries. We read, um, uh, Gotham City Year One with uh, Phil Hester, Tom King, which was fantastic. Uh, And Human Target, 12 issues. Uh, Tom King and Greg Smallwood, both really great. And you can tell that they're like, okay, we're going to do a miniseries. It's going to be these characters that everybody loves. We're going to do a new spin on them or a new take or a new artistic direction or whatever. But back then in 88, they were just like. I don't know. You want to write a miniseries? Write whatever you want. You know? Yeah. So Outcast is the 12 issue future shocker. It is basically Judge Dredd without Judge Dredd with a little bit of Robocop mixed in and a little bit of the Morlocks from the X-Men mixed in. It is. It follows uh, Kane Salinger is this uh, woman who is part of this elite group of a handful of corporations there's no government anymore there's just corporations and there's a a a 98 unemployment rate there is mandatory uh mandatory but voluntary euthanasia at 60 years old there's like mutants going around but like a lot of the mutants aren't like oh it's it's sexy Psylocke and she's got her knife blade. It's not like that. It's like a woman with like four mouths. And yeah, then I'm <laughs> like, like, like the
1: bottom of her face. Yeah. A bunch of Cronenberg it's total means.
0: recall shit, yeah. you know, like with, with three boobs and stuff like that. It's yeah. It's weird. There's a character, Jason, there's a character in here and he is just, he is just struggling to get by. He is literally a leg where that's cut off at the thigh. And then it's just head. On the top of that. And that buddy, he is just doing the best he can. Are you sure? uh, Are you sure Sam Keith didn't write this book? It's it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's deeply weird in ways that like the Max is deeply weird.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: So. Kane Salinger, her father dies. He was big corporate guy. Right. And she has been hidden away from the world because she's a mutant. And they don't want that in their nice, tidy corporate world in their city of glass, you know. So she's hidden away. They don't people don't know about her, but she has access to all this money and and can move freely in the city. So she puts together a team called uh, the outcasts, and this team is going to get to the bottom and get revenge for her for her father's murder. Kane Salinger has gray skin. She if she touches someone, they age rapidly and then she kind of like absorbs that life force. Um, She recruits BD Rickenbacker BD stands for brain damage. He plays a variant of football in the future, which is called like it's like murder bowl or slaughter bowl or blood bowl or something yeah. like that, yeah. where like augmented people like just basically battle it out. Like he talks about at one point that he hit a guy so hard that his head popped clean off and then hit the nosebleed section in the stands. I mean, (laughs) so we're in this far future violent like sport. Right. And most people don't retire from, from this murder ball. Most people die, but he is one of the ones who made it out. And so he drinks at this bar that he just basically gets in fights He's got a grappling arm and he's like cybernetic. He's very tough, but he's very dumb. He's, he's doing the best he's can. He best he can. There's um a guy named shock who can, uh you know, shock people. He shoots electricity. Uh, there's this guy, Yancy Quag who can't die. He's been cursed by a witch. And he's, he's like, he's talking to, he's talking to BD. And he's like, he's like, thinking about his past and he's like you ever been decapitated and bd's like no i'm not jewish (laughs) it's 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 really really good Jason. it's very good and then he thinks about the time he was decapitated and that and all he wants to do is fucking die like he's like i hate this world i hate this life i can't escape it i just want to die and kane salinger is like if you If you do this for me, if you like solve the murder of my husband or my father and get revenge, uh, then I will touch you and age you and kill you. Um, The the and then. Things go bad. Eventually, B.D. Rickenbacker brings in some other other people from the his pro days. This team, I say team, quote unquote very loose rules everybody's <laughs> kind of doing their own thing they're all kind of working to a goal but they all have their own stuff going on and like it's just absolutely bonkers there's a lot of like hyper capitalism and hyper television built in it felt like um i'd buy that for a dollar in like robocop yeah i was you gonna know? say it sounds
1: very robocopy
0: right you know? right so it it has that vibe. Like they, they are always flipping between channels. When I was talking, um, in the regular bat pod about how the Batman issue was 38 pages. And so they got this time to kind of like, you know, work on these characters and have these little character moments. Yeah. Outcast is the same way. Like it's, it's actiony and it has like arc to it, but there's all these little moments that you get that would normally be cut because like you make a comic book, you have 22 pages you got to have a fight scene and it's got to it's got to have some sort of arc to it and it's got to fit into the larger story. So you don't really get a lot of time to just like have characters kind of chew the fat together. Yeah. Um, In this book, you get a lot of that. So they're going after the the corp- corporations and stuff and uh, they they find that mutants are being um, systematically loaded onto shuttles flown to the moon and then murdered in gas chambers and they can't figure out why. And this is connected somehow to the murder of the husband or the father. Well, yeah. And we, you never see him. So I, I keep thinking husband. It's not, it's father. Um, anyway, the point is, is that the corporation is using, <laughs> I don't want to get too into it. Cause like, I do want people to read this cause it's fucking buck wild.
1: Yeah. find like, it. Yeah.
0: Find it. Find it. You can only really get it through piracy or in digging in long boxes like or eBay, you know. Yeah. But you should definitely find this. Single issues only. Um, The corporations also worked on this incredibly expensive pill that will give you immortality. And one of the side effects is you're all horned up. And like, so the guy running this company is like, he's like over a hundred and he just wants to bone Jason. He just wants to take it to
1: bone town. That's so good. That's, that's an insane, insane idea. And I, I, and I, I do love it. And I, I would, man. Yeah.
0: This whole (laughs) book is filled with like little moments. Like, like there's, there's an AI that's built from basically Just they just harvest a bunch of brains and kind of mash them all together in this big tube. And the thing is, like, so it's like a living supercomputer, and, and it's like they want it to like help them, the rich people want it to help them run the city. And the thing is, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, run the city? I can run this whole world like I can run this universe like the capacity that I have with your tiny little microbe mind. Like, are you kidding me with this? It there's like moments where it feels like it's transmet, and there's there's like moments where where it feels like RoboCop and there's moments where it feels like Judge Dredd. There's these enforcers (sighs) that are like I was going to ask you said corporate police. Yeah. You know, and they are murdering them. All the time in this
1: book. Well, I was gonna say, I'm I'm now thinking, like, are are we sure that like Garth Ennis didn't write this fucking thing? Like, I know, dude. It's so good. And it's
0: in that vein. It's so deeply in that vein yeah. of like stuff that has been refined and celebrated now. Yeah. But like back then they were like, I don't know, you wanna it's like two guys getting together and they're like, we want to try this thing outcasts. Judge Dread across the pond is like. Pretty good. And we want to kind of do that, but different like x Meny kind of thing. And they're like, I don't know. Sure. And it's like the most mind blowing crazy. The main villain is in the beginning is, uh, the Satan brothers. (laughs) And they are, they speak like commercials or game shows and stuff like that. They're like, they have pores all over their body that are large that erupt into flames. They also have a dog. That is a, a, a um, uh, what are the, a bulldog. With a fez. That has the same thing. And he erupts into flames. That's amazing. <laughs> Jesus. It's Jason. This book is incredible. Everyone should read Outcasts. That's great. So because it was made in 1987. And there are no trade paperbacks. The way it works with a lot of DC stuff. With the old comics like this is like until it gets a trade paperback it doesn't pop up in the DC app because when they get a trade paperback then they're like oh we gotta we gotta like you know, Sail, make sure yeah. all the art looks good yeah, yeah, and it also suffers from at the time books like this um, they didn't do this thing that colorists were doing when uh, I started in the 2000s where they would back up their blacks so like dark blue shades will kind of like make the black darker, but they won't do the whole pants. So it'll be like, it'll be like dark in the blue and then it'll kind of like be a faded black. And then it'll be, so it like visually looks very much like old comic books. Yeah. So if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, if you don't like to read that kind of stuff, I get it, but it is drawn tremendously. Like everything's very easy to read. The story's great. It twists and turns. I feel like I've been giving a lot of it away, but I keep thinking of other anecdotes like in my brain that I'm like, oh, and then this happened and then this happened and you're not going to believe what happened to Yancey Quig, but like, oh man, dude, it's so good. Thanks. It's so fucking, it's so like anti-capitalist, like just a, a wild projection of the future. There's an amusement park called suicide park where you can kill yourself on the
1: rides. <laughs> well, that that was just called Action Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we had do you, Yeah.
0: Do you know our do you know our mutual friend uh, uh Ziggy has been to Action Park? No. She's been multiple times. Oh yeah, no shit. Yeah.
1: yeah a, f- a friend of mine who grew up in North Jersey, she said she went there once before it was closed down when she was a kid
0: for anyone who doesn't know what action park is, can you briefly explain why take a drink of
1: water action action park was an amusement park in North Jersey that uh, got the nickname, the well-deserved nickname of, of class action park because all of the rides were just like kind of built by the guy who owned and ran the park and they were wildly unsafe and all of the people he hired and barely paid were literally drunk teenagers. Like they were teenagers who would be, constantly drunk and high. And so there were a lot of injuries and I think maybe a death (laughs) there is. I think there's been a couple
0: deaths at Action Park. Yeah. Uh, Ziggy said that it really started popping off when a brewery opened across the
1: street. That's when that's (laughs) when the death and the destruction really started popping off. And and fun little fact about uh, Action Park. There was I haven't seen it, but there was a movie made about it starring Johnny Knoxville. And of course, because it was Johnny Knoxville, he was doing all his own stunts and he was severely injured on a stunt where he was going down this slide that they had on like a really steep hill where I think he just sat on like an empty burlap sack and just went down the slide or something like that but he like he even talked about it like afterwards his injury he was like he was like oh yeah that's the worst i've ever been injured it's like this man who has like almost killed himself professionally and,
0: injured yeah yes. <laughs> it was a,
1: yeah had had said when filming a movie about action oh, park man. that's what almost killed him <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah that's like the legacy of wild. Of, of action park wild yeah there's oh, a great
0: man. um youtube video uh, defunct land yeah. Uh, on Action Park. That's really, really great. Yeah. Uh, I'll link it in the description.
1: Yeah, that chat. But, uh, oh, and before I forget, yeah, just sure. F- fun little tangential comic book fact, but you made me think of it when you said the, the main character's last name is Salinger. Yep. You know what I just recently learned? You know, the night, I think it came out in 1990, but there's a very bad, but kind of worth watching, I guess, uh, Captain America movie that came out in 1990
0: where he's got like the motorcycle helmet and he's got like a clear shield i think something yeah it's semi maybe i I can't remember i've I've seen screenshots
1: yeah so the guy who plays captain america in that movie is the son of jd fucking salinger are you kidding me that can't be real (laughs) yes (laughs) the
0: guy (laughs) Life wouldn't do that to us. <laughs> the guy who first
1: portrayed Captain America on screen oh, man. is the son of the the author of one of the, you know, great American books of the 20th century, <laughs> 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 which I found that out recently. And I was like, no, <laughs> that doesn't sound right, but it's great. So, I, just, I just had to get that. I had to get that out in the universe my last
0: my last pitch to get you to track down these issues of outcasts is all of the ads are extremely dc vintage Mm. like there is an ad for the upcoming event of the killing joke you know and it's like kind of neat to see like because in, in my mind, it's like, oh, that's always existed. That's always been. Yeah, it's there, a cla- it was a class-
1: it was a classic by the time you even started reading comics. It was talked about as a classic. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: But to like to see it promoted in the back of a comic book as like, hey, check this thing out, too. It's Batman. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, this is like one of
1: the like definitive Batman comics for a long time. Yeah. It's like. It's like watching uh, it's like watching old like like trailers for old movies of like, you know, like starring Al Pacino, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, based on the book by Mario Puzo, The Godfather. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I know how uh, that yeah, turns I that out. One. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's also these great ads where like DC wants you to like fill out a form, cut it out and like mail them a check and they will mail comics to your house. Yep. And it's just all very quaint and fun. And ah oh, man, just comics from this era are, have like a vibe to them outside of the comic that you're reading. Um, that is just, ah, oh, it's so good. If you're of a certain age, it'll hit you right in the nostalgia.
1: Bam. Right in the nostalgia.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a great doom patrol ad in the first issue. Uh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah. This, uh, this book is fantastic. I think everyone should read it. It's criminal that like DC has not put this into a hardcover because I would buy it in a second. And like I said, every issue is like 38 pages. So you think you're reading 12 issues, but it's really more like 18 ish. Yeah. Uh It's a it's a long read. I would buy this hardcover in a heartbeat. Alan Grant, make it happen. And I, I know you. You might have some poll. I don't know. I don't know if you have poll anymore. Yeah. Alan Grant, I know you're I know you're a devoted listener. Please make this happen. Alan Grant, I know we have a parasocial
1: relationship at this point, but <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. make this happen. Which is
0: not something not something that you were warning me warning me about within outcasts. <laughs> a toxic parasocial relationship. There's a man who unhinges his jaw. And eats another person alive on live television in this for yucks on like a late show, like stupid pet tricks. It's and then Jason, like issues later, he fucking dies. They they kill him off in a in a caption box because he got drunk at a party and accidentally ate somebody with cowboy boots and choked to death. It fucking rules.
1: This book rules, Jason. That, that again, it's just it's just it's just. I don't know maybe maybe Garth Ennis was well I, I know he was writing at this time but like maybe he it, it, it very much yeah that all of that stuff is from cuz all of those guys like Garth Ennis uh, uh Grant Morrison like Warren Ellis and and uh, like a few other people who ended up making their way like across like across the Atlantic to start writing like American comics. Like they all got their start or most of them did in like 2000 AD and like judge dread books. Yeah. Where, like all yeah. of that stuff is very much in the vein of this. It's just like over the top, just like the craziest, right. totally funniest thing. And, and there's this, like, I think the thing too, though, that's coming through in this book and like, they probably weren't thinking about it when they were writing it, but there's this thing that like, with a lot of British sci-fi, not all of it, but with, like, a lot of popular British sci-fi, there's this very British thing where, like, they seem kind of ashamed that they're doing science fiction. So, like, some of it always has to be <laughs> jokey, you know? Or they yeah, have to, yeah, they have yeah, to yeah. point out feel... the silliness of it, yeah. you know? And so, like, right, right. I, I kind of feel that coming through, too. Like, they know it's silly. And so, like, they're just like, well, we might as well just go full force with how silly it yeah. is, you know, like why not? Yeah, totally. Like, oh man. oh man. What a great <laughs> what a he choked on cowboy boots. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh man. Uh, let's let's wrap this up. Yeah, you sold me, man. He sold me. Jason. Mm. Where can people find you? Oh, they can find me in a hole deep in the ground. And <laughs> Dig long enough and you'll find me. <clears throat> yeah. D- yeah. I ain't gonna tell you. I ain't gonna tell you where I am, though. You're gonna have to work for it. You want you want my company. You have to work for this shit. They they can find me on the Twitters. I'm still I'm still addicted to that damn damn thing. At, yeah, at, at, it's at, hard at, to quit. At King of Black Acid. Uh and also at world's second finest, if I can ever remember the the things I'm supposed to do. Jason,
0: <laughs> Jason, low key. We should probably talk about this off pod, but should we abandon that Twitter?
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't, maybe
0: I, we're not really using it. I, I don't know. We should figure it out.
1: Yeah. You know what? Give give me, give me, uh, give me next Sunday and I'll cook, I'll cook, I'll cook something up and we'll see what happens and we'll see if I can I I keep, thought, keep up with it.
0: I thought you were going to say. Give me $500 and you can have this. Any listener, give me $500 and I'll give you the password for World's Second Finest.
1: Or <laughs> that too. You know what? I'm down with that. I'm down with it. Let's, let's get some chaos in here, man. Let's see what happens. You can find me at Nick Phil. Uh, usually
0: I respond pretty quickly to Twitter and Blue Sky, a uh, little less quickly within Instagram. I actually logged into Instagram the other day and I had a very sweet message from a, a writer I did a variant cover for, and I was like, oh, this was like three weeks ago. I am so sorry I ghosted you too. <laughs> but uh, you can find me uh, all of my links for everything, Discord and everything. Discord's the best way to get in touch with me on my Discord. Uh, you can find everything at linktree.com slash Um, Links for everything will always be up there and it'll always be current. So if you're listening to this episode way in the past, maybe some new links, maybe... I've made a new social media site for for comic book comic book people. I don't know where I'm yeah, going with this. Yeah, maybe Jason, maybe, this.
1: maybe we brought Tom back out of retirement and and Oh, there we go. There's the joke. Yeah. Uh thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> Ending it on a sigh.